Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity with Susan Shireko, where we help you transform your life by changing what you're telling yourself. Whatever your circumstances, you can experience health, financial security, and a sense of well-being once again. And now, here's your host, Susan Shireko. On behalf of Rebuilding Your Life Radio and the Train Your Brain, Claim Your Power Calls, this is Susan Shereko. Welcome. Our guest, Les Shurdick, is Canadian, but became fascinated by Latin American history while on a holiday to Mexico City with his wife. He wanted to see the stories told, because they're not told in Canada, where he comes from, or even very much in the U.S. So he began doing the research and writing for what is now a three-book series with more to come. Let's find out more about these historical novels, starting with The City of Gold. Please wave your hands to welcome Les Shurtif. Hello, Les, welcome. Uh, Good evening, how are you doing, uh, Susan? It's nice to be on your show. I am doing, well, thank you. I'm delighted to have you here. How's the weather up there in Canada? It's freezing cold here uh, uh, today, and that's the reason why we love to go to South America for holidays. Gotcha. We don't have that much cold weather. <laughs> Not in California. In fact, it stays pretty warm. <laughs> Not in California. So, Les, when did you discover or begin to discover and develop your interest in Latin America? Uh, When I was a young man, I had the privilege and opportunity to spend two years um, in Argentina and learn the Spanish language and and get to know uh, the people. Um, And quite frankly, uh, I grew to love uh, uh, the native people of South America and had a great opportunity to live among them. Well, you went on to do a documentary on the Book of Mormon, which was quite extensive. And and you have at least 26 videos on YouTube. Um, Are these creating these works your full time job? (laughs) Well, I put a lot of time and effort into uh, my YouTube channel and uh, and these uh, videos about South America and the evidences of an archaeology that relates uh, to the city, the book, The City of Nephi. And uh, I actually uh, have loved doing the work uh, during this time of COVID and where we're not allowed to go anywhere or see anybody, then uh, it's become a passion. I can understand that. We all had an opportunity when when those shutdowns came in to really explore things we wanted to do. It's been fascinating to see it. Yes, I've spent, uh, well, I'm retired now. So I've spent uh, some 30 years uh, working on that project, the city of Nephi. And um, this um, series of videos, uh, the Eldorado uh, series has actually come out of that research and those visits to South America. 
Well, when did when did you and your wife Crystal go on holiday to Mexico City? Because I understand that kicked off the idea for the city of gold. What motivated you? Uh, yes, um, um, back in uh, 1995, uh, then um, we took my parents down to Mexico uh, on a holiday, and uh, we had a great time down there um, in Mexico. And and we uh, so some of the some of the stories, if you will in the city of gold are actually um, modified stories of our own adventures um, that we had in, in Mexico and on other trips. So you've interwoven your personal life into the adventures. Well, and I guess that's uh, how you truly uh, enjoy writing as an author is to um, to put a little bit of yourself into the, uh, your writing um, because you know those stories and it, it just makes it fun for you. So let's start with the first of the books, which is The City of Gold. What is the basic premise of the book? Well, um, we have two main characters uh, in the modern day. Uh, one of them is uh, Peter Martin, who is uh, a geology student from the University of California, Berkeley, um, basically a, a, a grad student working on his doctorate. And, um, and he is assigned uh, to uh, go to Cusco, Peru uh, by his university, the University of California, um, to uh, do a summer work project. Um, uh, there is a group of Spanish e explorers, scientists that are doing a ground penetrating radar study of the secret and sacred tunnels underneath the city of Cusco. Um, so with using that modern technology, they're um, exploring those tunnels that have been sealed up uh, for centuries. And uh, Peter uh, is the geologist that's been assigned to do uh, rock and soil surveys and and the and the uh, and so on to uh, help that uh, consortium of Spanish uh, scientists. And um, the other uh, prime uh, person or character in the novel. Uh, and uh, throughout the series of novels is Monica Rodriguez. And she is, um, she has just graduated from San Marcos University um, in Lima, Peru uh, in uh, tourism. And she gets a, a job, her first job after university um, as assistant director of tourism for the city of Cusco, Peru. Cusco, Peru, by the way, um, was the ancient capital of, of the Incas um, that was conquered by Francisco Pizarro in, in uh, November uh, 15th, uh, 1533. So, um, so essentially their lives collide uh, because 
um, he has to work together with this uh, this Peruvian uh, girl that just graduated from university because um, she's assigned by the city of Cusco to um, to help this uh, scientific project. Now I understand that the 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 going gets a little rougher when she gets abducted. Yes. So um, on their first day of of work, essentially, um, then um, they are sitting together on a cement bench um, out uh, uh, in a park, and um, and they are essentially abducted by uh, a terrorist group called uh, the Shining Path, uh, which is an actual terrorist group that exists today in Peru. And, um, and you know, they, Peter doesn't understand what's happening or anything and he has no idea why he is abducted. He's just a college student. And so, then they spend the next uh, few weeks and months uh, in a secluded spot as hostages uh, being uh, held for ransom. Now, this, of course, is where truth meets fiction because, because you and Crystal took a side trip to see a silver mine while you were, were down in Mexico and you were with a tourist guide in an old green station wagon and on the way home something happened what happened right so um the the book opens up in, in the first chapter actually with um where you where you meet monica um and essentially um uh essentially uh she is going home from lima to cusco uh, on this express bus um, and Cusco's 11,000 feet up in uh, the tops of the Andes. Uh, Lima's of course at sea level. And so on this bus, she's um, there, the bus is going up these winding switchback uh, highway um, up into the mountains and um, an old uh, green station wagon comes careening down uh, the, go in the other direction and actually sideswipes the the tourist bus and um, and you know the the macho uh, machoism of the bus drivers there's two uh, bus drivers because it's such a long trip they have to um, switch off um, they they jackknife and and uh, turn around the big tourism bus and uh, and follow the the station wagon down the mountain uh, until they finally uh, are able to get around it and stop the station wagon. And then uh, the bus drivers uh, get out and, and start uh, uh, beating on the poor uh, driver of the of the car and uh, Monica has to get out of the bus and separate the, the combatants because, um, and she gives them a huge lecture about how this isn't the way 
they're supposed to act uh, on the highways of Peru um, because tourists will see their actions and not want to come to their wonderful country and they'll and they're just setting a, a bad example and so that you get a sense of of who Monica is and and her feisty uh, personality and and all about her uh, in the opening chapter. This um, this story, um, like you were uh, referring to, uh, actually happened to my wife and I, Crystal, uh, as we were coming down a mountain uh, just outside of Mexico City from a silver mine. Um, uh, this uh, the same story actually happened to us, uh, where we were in the station wagon and the bus came racing after us after we sideswiped them. <laughs> that had to be scary. Yeah, the only the only difference was uh, uh, our our car driver, our station wagon driver, uh, got down the mountain faster, and he ran and hid in the city before the bus could find him. So, <laughs> so they. As the book progresses and they get, they are rescued or they get away from their kidnappers in, later in the book, they wind up back in California uh, towards Sacramento where Monica and her mother show, um, show Peter the entrance to an ancient tunnel that the con con conquistadores used in the 1500s. Um, and there's a whole segment of the book that's involved with this. I think what I wanted to know is, are these caves, are, you, did you make these up? Or is, is this something where the people who are reading the book are gonna wanna drop it and go run and find these caves? <laughs> okay, well, the secret tunnels of Cusco, Peru are a real thing, even today. And they have been mapped uh, scientifically. Um, they have historically existed, uh, not just through legends and things, but uh, when the conquistadors conquered uh, Cusco in uh, 1533, um, then uh, it's rumored that the Incas uh, put all of their golden treasure in these tunnels under the city uh, before uh, the Spanish got there and, um, and then sealed them up. Uh, and, and when the Spanish got there, they tried to uh, find the gold, but most of the explorers died uh, because of the poisonous gases uh, from you know, the cyanides and, and other chemicals that were associated with the gold. Um, you know, when they uh, oxidized and things, then the, the tunnels became quite putrid and, and killed everybody that went in. And so for safety's sake, the Spaniards actually sealed up every entrance they could find as well. So, but the, the tunnels are a real thing. And uh, in, two, in the year 2000, uh, is when that scientific uh, expedition um, uh, 
uh, when they actually did the ground penetrating radar study. Mm -hmm. Now, Monica and her mother vanish again. Peter goes to find them. And they ultimately find out who their adversary is. Is it a surprise? Yes, very much so. Um, so I, I should uh, just back up and say that there's a parallel story going on uh, that is actually historically correct about Francisco Pissarro and his brothers conquering the Incas um, and that um, goes along sort of in, intertwines with the story. But um, with uh, what happens in in uh, in this book is uh, Monica and uh, obviously falls in love with Peter and uh, in the basement of their restaurant that's in the city square, um, uh, she knows about uh, one of the entrances of the tunnels. And so she shows Peter the entrance um, and uh, later they get equipment from the uh, from the army uh, hazmat suits and oxygen uh, uh, equipment uh, to go in and explore the tunnel and with his digital camera he takes all these pictures of uh, the treasure inside the tunnel and so Peter's project is basically done and so he goes back to his hometown in Sacramento or outside of Sacramento, California, where he grew up on a, on a historic Spanish ranch um, and, and uh, their hacienda. And uh, then Monica um, and her mother um, come to visit them in California. And that's where we look at the tunnels that are in California. Uh, yeah, so so Peter's taken all these digital pictures um, uh, while he and Monica are in the tunnel. And uh, this is where for the first time um, uh, he shows uh, Monica's mother the pictures. And... Uh, and so they, they convince uh, Monica's mother, or Peter convinced Monica's mother and Monica uh, to come to the University of California, Berkeley and talk to his graduate professor and the, and the hierarchy of the, of the university and see if they can do um, a combined um, uh, museum and 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 stuff with the university and help uh, expose uh, these treasures to the world uh, to help the tourism industry in Cusco and so the shining path um, is a terrorist group that blows up the tourist trains and and creates all kinds of havoc for the government and in the 80s early 90s uh, it almost uh, uh, shut down all tourism in Peru. And so, uh, so 
that's why uh, they want to try and revitalize the tourist industry. Now we have we've we've without getting into ruining any of the plot, um, we're we're sort of approaching the second book, which picks up uh, more history. Uh, it's called the City of Kings, and and what is it taking us through? Okay, so when Francisco Pizarro um, becomes governor of Peru uh, after the conquest, then he leaves his brothers, uh, Hernando and Gonzalo in charge of Cusco uh, and the Inca capital. And he moves his uh, government essentially to Lima, um, which um, is, has been shortened from uh, buena, uh, buena Clima, which means good climate, and uh, to the name of Lima. And um, historically, uh, that uh, city was populated, uh, uh, you know, from, uh, from many centuries actually before the conquistadors. Um, and and it has a beautiful harbor and uh, has many advantages. Uh, so Francisco, of course, is old uh, in his late 60s uh, when he moves there. And he builds a fabulous uh, mansion palace for, uh, for a governor's mansion. And, um, and he moves his, uh, his Inca queen, uh, wife uh, with him down there to uh, to Lima because uh, of altitude sickness. He he was uh, he didn't like the high altitude of Cusco at eleven thousand feet, and and Lima was more like uh, your area of California. Um, it was just a beautiful uh, place for him to live. Uh, and govern the country. So that's, that's why they moved to, um, to Lima and, uh, the, and it was anciently called the city of Kings and no one really uh, knows why because there was never ever a king uh, that controlled that city. Um, but the, um, but that was the name of the city and and I guess uh, partly uh, rumor or tradition is that um, this 6th of January is when he actually established uh, the city of Lima. So uh, that's uh, historically in the religious world, uh, the time of the kings or the wise men, uh, the time of the wise men. Now is there a lot of gold in this, this story? Absolutely. Um, the historians uh, have documented very well um, their, the gold that they got in their first encounter with Prince Atalapa um, when they, when they um, captured him uh, in a flurry of cannon fire and, and uh, and in a surprise attack, um, <laughs> Atalapa for to try and um, 
Prince Atalapa uh, to try and uh, free himself from the Spaniards, he offered them uh, uh, one huge room uh, full of gold and two rooms full of silver. Uh, as far as up on the wall, he made a mark on the wall as far up on the wall as he could reach. Um, and, um, and so the Spanish, Spaniards agreed to that if he could get his army to bring uh, the ransom to Kaisamarca, then they would release him. And what happened to all this gold? I mean, they may have given it to the Spanish, but that what, from what you just said, it's only part way up the wall. What happened to the rest yeah. of the gold and silver? Well, the, the actual, um, uh, well, the actual uh, um, money or gold from the from that first um, encounter with Atalapa uh, was dispersed um, to all of uh, to Pissarro and all of his men, and twenty percent, of course, uh, needed to go back to Spain to pay for the expedition. Um, which Hernando um, actually um, was in charge of taking that uh, first dispersal of gold back to Spain. Um, but uh, that was just the first encounter. Um, when they actually uh, got to Cusco, Peru, um, then that, um, that they amalgamated um, a, a huge treasure. Um, so the first treasure uh, is documented uh, with uh, 11,000 kilograms of gold and so much silver and stuff. But the, the treasure that they found in Cusco was many, many times more than uh, the, the treasure from Cajamarca. So uh, they took... Uh, they were, they called Cusco uh, the El Dorado, the city, the place of gold, the mm -hmm. city of gold. And uh, they took 700, uh, just as an example, 700 panels of pure gold um, that were two feet wide and four feet long and a half an inch thick. They took these panels off of the temple of Coricancha and melted all that gold down into uh, into bars so that they could, um, you know, divvy it up and and carry it away. And then, and then in in the second dispersal, I'm just curious: did they find it all? Well, um, they it, it is well documented by the Catholic uh, uh, scribes and and priests and things that were with Pissarro, um, the, the king's emissaries documented everything. So it was well documented all the amount of gold and treasure, silver that they found. Um, and it's in the history books and it's well documented. It's the largest treasure ever found by a conquering army. And, um, and, uh, you know, 20%, uh, again, Hernando was in charge of taking the second uh, 
um, amount of treasure back to back to Spain. Um, but uh, the Pissarros themselves uh, kept uh, at least 10% for, uh, for the, running the government and, and then 10% uh, for themselves. And, and then uh, the rest of the 60% was, was divided up equally amongst all the conquistadors. I mean, I, I was ready to say there's another group of tourists who are going to be heading to Peru to look for that gold, but maybe maybe not. So where, where does the shining path fit in all of this? Well, um, in the story, it, so it's, this part is fiction. In the story, then, um, then of course, the reason for uh, Monica being kidnapped is uh, she's the daughter of the Queen of the Incas. So, and um, Peter, you know, nobody knows the Inca hierarchy uh, and royalty situation. Um, and so um, that's the reason why she's being kidnapped. And um, and in the story, then uh, the 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 uh, leader, if you will, of the of the shining path is actually her uncle Carlos Rodriguez, and Carlos is the younger <laughs> brother or step brother, actually, of uh, Monica's mother and um, the queen of the Incas. And so he is, uh, has this dark side to him that uh, he actually wants uh, to wear the back cape of the, of the um, Inca uh, king and queen. And it's actually fallen to his older sister and not to him. And so he's jealous and he's the one uh, behind all the kidnapping and behind the shining path. But you don't know that until uh, later on in the books. Well, these books sound like they're such grand adventure. I mean, you know, to some of what are historical mysteries. And, and in the romance, they must be absolutely wonderful. Have you written any other more contemporary stories? Oh, um, yes, I'm happy to say that uh, um, I just uh, finished uh, a few months ago uh, a book that I really liked and enjoyed writing um, called the Kiss Katnaw Bridge. Uh, so Kiss Katnaw in the Cree language here in, in Northern British Columbia, Canada, in the Cree language, uh, Kiss Katnaw means high banks or steep banks. So when the American army uh, was building the Alaska Highway in 1943, the first obstacle in the highway from Dawson Creek to Delta Junction uh, was the Kiskatinaw River and, and they had to build a bridge and, and over the river called the Kiskatinaw Bridge. So that's, uh, the name of the story, and it's all about building the Alaska Highway. The Americans needed a land uh, route to um, 
uh, Alaska and the Aleutians to protect their, uh, their property and their territories uh, from the Japanese and uh, from invasion from the Japanese. So, uh, so it was a major project that, um, and probably the greatest engineering feat of World War II. And uh, there was 11,500 uh, soldiers involved with um, the um, uh, Engineering Corps of Engineers. Um, and uh, and uh, then there was 7,500 civilian uh, workers as well, over 11,000 pieces of equipment, uh, graders and bulldozers and such. Um, and uh, they, they built this 1,500 uh, mile uh, road through just an incredible, um, uh, um, basically virgin frontier uh, situation uh, with um, blazing heat and mosquitoes in the summertime and freezing cold 40 below uh, weather in the winter. Um, and it was a miraculous feat to build this uh, highway to protect to protect Alaska. It sounds like quite an adventure. Another adventure. You're very big on historical adventures. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine so, a lot of people a lot of people enjoy this. Have you gotten a lot of good response? Um, well, I've I, I've enjoyed writing my expertise is not in marketing and, and uh, all of that. So I'm hoping in the new year to uh, do a marketing campaign to, to help uh, kick uh, these books off. Uh, my, my newest book that's coming out this uh, next month is called The Cleanse. And it's about a Wyoming cowboy that uh, becomes a computer genius type person and uh, he wants to cleanse the world of profanity um, and the reason is uh, quite simply um, <laughs> he, he grew up with uh, uh, an abusive father um, so what happened was uh, when he was a young boy of 10 or 11 then he had an, uh, an older sister that was a year older, two years older than him. And uh, she was killed in a terrific horse accident uh, on a roundup um, there in Wyoming. And, um, and uh, Paul Jolly is the boy's name. Um, his father never forgave himself for that accident because he, he figured it was his fault. And, and so that led to depression and depression led to um, a seizure and finally a brain cancer. And because of the pain and, and the cancer, then he became quite irritable and you started using profanity profusely and, and all the time. And, and it, it was terrible verbal abuse uh, for Peter, uh, for Paul Jolly's uh, mother and for him uh, as a young boy growing up. And so uh, that's, that sets the stage of, uh, of why he 
uh, is doing what he what he's doing. Well, Les, this the audience is, is going to be interested in finding out more about these books. Where do they find them? Uh, well, right now uh, um, you can uh, buy them on Amazon or Google Books or any of those kind of places. Uh, the uh, the first uh, four books are were published by Author House. Um, uh, and then uh, we're just now working on a second edition uh, that's being printed by West Point uh, Publishing uh, out of New York. And uh, The Cleanse um, is my, so th those five books you can also purchase from West, West Point Publishing. Um, my newest book, The Cleanse, the sixth book is being published by uh, Global Summit uh, House out of New York. And you can purchase it there or on any of the, um, any of the social media platforms. And I gather you do some work with YouTube. Are your books available on YouTube or, or shortened versions or what's that about? Yes, so um, my YouTube channel is called uh, Latter-day Trumpet. And uh, there's uh, three uh, playlists. Uh, the newest playlist uh, is called Books and Things. And there's uh, um, little uh, three, four minute uh, videos um, on each one, of the, each one of the books and a summary of each book uh, that we've made into a YouTube video. Very cool. Do you have a website? Um, uh, we had a website with Author House. Um, and so in the new year, uh, in, in our new marketing approach, then we'll be making up a new website uh, with um, some new marketing strategies uh, going forward in the new year. So ultimately, what would you love to have happen with your books? <laughs> well, um, obviously, I've, um, now that I'm older, uh, I'm writing uh, more for the pleasure of writing and for my grandchildren. You know, I've dedicated uh, this book series that we're talking about tonight, El Dorado, to my wonderful loving wife, because she's taken this pains to help me edit it and and help me work on that series uh, that I started uh, writing in 2007. And, um, and so I've dedicated that series to her. But ultimately, you know, I think it's important to leave something uh, for posterity. Uh, and we have 25 grandchildren and soon uh, in the new year, 27. And um, I just wanted to leave something for them more than, you know, make, uh, make tons of money and, you know, and, uh, all of that fame and glory. It doesn't impress me as much as just um, some good stories for my kids and grandkids. Lovely. They are ultimately what it's all about. Right. So I, well, I'm in the midst of writing yeah, two more books. Oh, okay. Uh, one of them is called uh, um, The Ex 
extermination order and the other one's called um, the um, uh, uh, I'll just I'll get it here in a second. Um, the other one um, uh, I forgot the name of it already, but uh, those two new books should be out in uh, in uh, late winter, early spring. Lovely. So we can watch for those. Yes. Okay, great. Well, I want to thank you so much with visit, for visiting with us today, Les. I mean, there, this is a great series. You know, it's, it has a lot of potential in a lot of different directions if it gets to the right people. So I, I wish you the very best of luck with it because it's just fun to see it blossom. Um, well, I want to thank, thank our you. listeners as well. We've been mm-hmm, we've been talking with Les Sherda about several historical novels that he's written, including The City of Gold, which is part of a multi-novel El Dorado series. So thank you again, Les. We appreciate your taking the time to be with us today. Well, thank you for having me, Susan. It's been wonderful. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap for us today. Bye for now and have a great day. Thank you very much for tuning in today. If you've been inspired by this show, leave a rating or review on iTunes and visit www.rainbowsoverruins.com to receive a free chapter from Susan's book. On behalf of Susan Shereko, this has been Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity, sharing the journeys of those affected by sudden and great loss and what they did to heal, rebuild, and where they are now.